it's so simple, but it's like if you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping in a closed room with a mosquito. Hello, I'm Ed Begley Jr. and I'm willing to do anything to help the planet. I'll bathe in new shower water, I'll break the law to bury my compost, and I love my wife. And I'm Rochelle Carson Begley. Sometimes my husband drives me so insane I want to break the law, and him, but I love Ed. This week we talk with the lovely actress Christina Elizabeth Smith about how to take charge of your own destiny and how to be passionate about things that are outside of the acting realm in your personal life. Hey there, you're listening to another episode of Begley S. We have a great conversation coming up, but first let's dig into our inbox and share a question from one of you. Ellie emailed us and said, Hello, first of all, congratulations on all your wonderful work for the environment. You are role models for us all, and it is with great appreciation that I write in today. My name is Ellie, and I live here in Los Angeles with my husband, Kareem. Kareem is an architect passionate about earthen architecture. After an adventure through unemployment, a move to Tunisia, and a second child, we ended up back in L.A. with our rammed earth-built house, and Kareem has started his own firm. So now, how can we change the codes in L.A. so that earthen building non-stabilized, no concrete added, can make a comeback. This is one tough one, but a possible goal for us. Despite the earthquakes, there are ways to incorporate more pure earthen into design. Oh my God, you're kidding. Now, Kareem has met with other passion earthen architecture advocates in LA, including experts at the Getty Museum. It seems to me that it will take people with contacts in both government, policy, and in the media to give this thing wings. I hope very much that you will be interested in a dialogue about this. With much gratitude and appreciation for your time, Ellie. Wow. Earthen homes. That is a house built. Rammed earth, the way Dennis Weaver did. It's a rammed earth house, honey. You can build it, you can put it into tires, you can put it into other things, you can just have. But how did. So then how did. You ram the earth and it has. I get the concept. How did he. Do you? Well, it's hmm. a thermal mass. Tell me about the thermal mass, honey. Tell me how that works. <laughs> I hear the dirt. Part. How many BTUs per square okay, meter my point is of if, soil? Shush. I want to know the formula. If you so know so much Dennis about it. So if Dennis Weaver was able to do it, then why are then how how are these people not able to do it? Well, because the codes in L.A. You can do it in Taos, New Mexico, but you can't do it here. And oh, did he do be it somewhere to. else? He yeah, didn't he do did it, it in Colorado. Oh. And uh, Michael Reynolds is a famous rammed earth. You know, earth ships. He calls them right. rammed earth you know, technology guy. And, uh, but we got to thank Ellie for reaching out. If any of you out there have advice for Ellie, you're also trying to implement change somewhere in your life. Start a conversation with us on Facebook or Twitter. Email us at begleyesque at gmail.com. We always love to hear from you guys. And Ellie, let me tell you right now, Send me an email at fan at edbegley.com, and I'll try to help with this. I'll try to help in some way. He really will. Yeah, I will. I know. Let's see what we can do to help Ellie. Today, the lovely actress Christina Elizabeth Smith is with us, talking about her life inside and outside of Hollywood. You might recognize her from popular shows like Grey's Anatomy, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Days of Our Lives, Young and the Restless. She was also in the short film Deathly with Alan Ruck. I know Alan a little well, bit. I, know I love Alan. Alan's He's wonderful. He's my friend. And recently she wrote, produced, and starred in her own short, Pretext. So you're definitely keeping busy, Christina. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for 
for having me. I'm I know really she's excited to be here. She's so young and yet so accomplished. What <laughs> happened, Ed? What? Where did I go wrong? Okay, it's not all where about me. Where did you go right, Christina. honey? You okay. did ever look okay. at you, the okay. house you okay. live in. Give yeah, me a break. Yeah, that's true. It's, we're about Crying houses. with a loaf of bread under your arm once I know, again. Unbelievable. I know, but you are quite accomplished. Um, so you started out as a dancer, is that right? I did, that's correct. I started dancing when I was nine and then started competing like around the whole What US. kind of dance? I did everything. I started with ballet and I started at the local like YMCA uh-huh. and my mom just kind of saw this twinkle in my eye and then they actually closed the classes and I got so sad and she's like it's okay I'll find something yeah. else um, and she put me in a local dance studio and I just fell in love I feel like some part of me started that was like the birth of my artist you know yeah. some part of me opened up and I just started competing I was dancing five days a week and then traveling on the weekends and you won quite a few of those competitions I didn't did you? we actually like my Biggest accomplishment was winning nationals in Florida. I won That's for huge. a tap dance for Singing in the Rain. We used to like, dance to Singing in the Rain. It was amazing. That's a great yeah. number. Wow, yeah. good for you. I know yeah. what it's like to be a dancer, considering I had a dance career of about three years. But started late, ended very quickly. Why but, did it end, honey? What happened? Well, I blew up my knee. Not oh. because of my attitude, Ed. Why are you looking at me like that? I had nothing <laughs> I did to do nothing with it. I swear, wrong. I was nowhere I near. Myself. I didn't but do I did a Nancy Kerrigan on I didn't. I, my last uh, professional uh, dancing job was in Mexico. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I looked like a Vegas showgirl. That's what it, they still had that Vegas thing. You had, mm-hmm. It's a visual thing. You can't even get the I can idea. see it. I you can see it. I had a plume. I had a bikini <laughs> on and some tassels. Okay. But it was image. a professional gig. That was my last one. So I do relate. I don't relate to dancing five days a week and being that disciplined. That is extraordinary. So that does sort of set you up to have a, a career like this where you write and direct. And you, I mean, mm-hmm. did you direct this, the thing that you were I talking about? I did not direct it. Um, okay. A friend of ours, Shahab Rudbari, directed it. We brought him on. I knew him through the Beverly Hills Playhouse. Okay, that's another, we have that in common as well. well but I say you directed this. I didn't even tell people what it is. You did your own, uh, you produced you wrote and produced and starred in a short. Correct. That is and correct. And what's the, what's the premise on that? Um, it is called Pretext. Uh, it kind of came about as an accident. I was having a conversation with my phenomenal friend and poet, Jeremy Radin, and I was telling him about this uh, thing called Pretext Calling, which is a real part of the rape investiga- investigative process uh-huh. where they have the victim call the person who allegedly Holy raped moly. them and um they have a detective that is listening on a, in on the call and telling the victim what to say to them and they have to sort of act like they enjoyed what happened and to oh. get the um, person to admit anything but the problem is it's not admissible in court these tapes yeah. are it's only used really as bait to then bring the person in and get them to admit to something but the problem is once you bring the person in they just lawyer up and so it causes this sort of re-victimization mm. and this this trauma that that's what we really wanted to shine a light on just say I don't know if this serves and it's also we didn't want to like the detective in this story, we didn't want to make him look like the enemy. We would just wanted to show like it affects everyone involved. It affects him when he goes home, like that moment with his daughter. It affects the woman. the The system is not serving this process, and how can we just shine the light? Because I think that's what art can do. It can just Absolutely. shine a light. 
Do they still use this procedure anywhere? Yes, yes. It's, it is illegal in some states, uh-huh. but it's not in California. And wow. I think, um, but when we had this conversation, I told him about this thing and he's like, what is this thing that exists? What is this? And that was what I realized. Okay, there's a story here. People don't know that this exists. No, I How didn't did know they that. not know that I this never knew exists? It. I didn't know that happened. And it's so prevalent. And you talk to victims that actually mm-hmm. go through the system, and this is probably this is why so many victims just say, Never mind. I can't right. never mind. Absolutely. Because they go through this thing that racks them, re-victimizes them, and then they just say, Never never mind. I have mm-hmm. to step away. And again, it's not to demonize the officers, the detectives. They're just doing what the system is telling them, but the system is no longer serving. I mean, it's it's public service (laughs) is what you're doing. (laughs) And that's what we, you're absolutely right. That's what we do with art, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's that's the the bigger calling here. Yeah. That's why I keep trying, I keep trying. But now are you putting it in festivals and stuff? I am, like that's the process right now. We're submitting it to festivals and so we're in kind of that holding period where like we find out about all the festivals sort of like in that August deadline. So that, and it's just about like telling the story. I just want women to see it and men to see it and everyone that could possibly help and it could possibly be like, oh my gosh, you're telling my story or you're telling my sister's story because the thing about rape is we're all affected by it and and it's so prevalent it is so it is beyond prevalent because what we don't consider rape really is if by definition rape i mean many girls if i don't know a single friend or female in my life who hasn't had an unwanted advance Mm -hmm. or rape Mm -hmm. so and i've you know i have a lot of females in my life so yeah Mm. but um good for you i really applaud you for that now so you went from let's get back. You went from a dancer, and then you started acting. I mean, how did that? How did you transition to that? Not that that's it a, was odd, a odd weird transition. thing. I did this dance. Um, if you guys remember, of course you do. If you remember the movie Philadelphia, yeah, yeah. we did a dance, a lyrical dance to the um, soundtrack of that. And I remember doing that dance and having this feeling, this essence in that of like, I need more. I need words. I need the reach to be farther. And that I explained that feeling. I was like, Mom, I have this weird thing. I think I was like 14 (laughs) or maybe younger. And I was like, I have this weird thing. I need more. I need a way to reach farther. And my sister at the time, who's six years um, older than me, she was starting to dabble in acting and theater. And she was just phenomenal. And and my mom was just phenomenal. Um, She's like, why don't you try exploring acting? Or, you know, Anna does it. And then my sister just gave me like some Uta Hagen books. Really? And I just ate them. I just (laughs) ate them up. And I was like, okay, books. Because I lived in the middle, like I lived in Clarksville, Tennessee, like outside Nashville. I know Clarksville, Tennessee. There wasn't a lot of exposure to then like, okay, I'm going to go take all the most phenomenal classes ever. So that's where I found, I found books and I Mm -hmm. was like, let me just absorb everything that I can possibly pull out of storytellers and books. And, and that's when I felt like, again, one of those like soul opening things. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was a no brainer for me. I decided when I was like 16 or 17 that I was going to be a storyteller and I wanted to absorb all the greats I possibly could mm-hmm. and read plays and and just see how I could be a channel for this thing that I never could. I, I think like the greatest things in the world you can never truly articulate, but I just felt like I 
had to be this channel. Awesome. Well, you've made great headway in a short period of time. It's very impressive what you've done. <laughs> Thank you. In your own film, it's made. Weren't you also? Did I hear this right? You were at that Ed Asner Lifetime Achievement thing that they had for Ed Asner. Were you there? I was there. Correct. Yeah, I was there too. Yay. It was a lovely event, wasn't it? Yeah. And so you be, you were an actress, and and you started in Tennessee acting. Correct. Yeah. I didn't know that was possible. That, in Clarksville or country music, I understand. I lived in Clarksville. I would commute to Nashville. I still lived with my parents at the time. Um, I got an agent in Nashville and I started, I was like, let me just try this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, at the time I was taking like a local college theater course and I would commute to Nashville, which was like a 45 minute drive and, and go to auditions for music videos, local commercials. Great. The industry wasn't what it is now in Nashville. There's so much more. There was a whole show called Nashville that was there. Yeah. That whole thing that started right after I moved out here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I should go to Nashville. What do you think? Okay, I digress. When it's all about me, honey? isn't it? Huh? Yeah, Let me help no. you pack. So you, I'll so miss you, though. I think it's a really great thing to start in a smaller market. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not what I did. <laughs> Live and learn. But because you're a bigger fish, smaller pond, and uh, you can actually get jobs a mm-hmm. lot easier. You'd do very well in Fresno, honey. I think if you set up shop <laughs> there and really went out on a lot of... Uh, well, maybe not. That may be a little reaching too far. Modesto. I think Modesto would be a great town. Me and the far, playing in the farm Big worker. Big fish in a small like I, pond. No, is what I I'm played saying. that farm worker in your play. Remember? Yes, I was, you did. I didn't stand out or anything. No. Five nine and in <laughs> high heels, about six feet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we we are digressing. So anyway, then you came here and you. So you said you went to the Beverly Hills Playhouse. I have gone to so many. So, I have studied with so many phenomenal places. But yes, I'm actually currently involved with the Beverly Hills Playhouse. I love them. Who do, who's your teacher? Alan um, Barton and Art Cohen. Oh yeah. Well, I was with Milton. Honey. Milton, you were the lucky one that still were. It's a matter of opinion. When <laughs> exactly? I mean, that's it. There's mixed opinions. Milton mm-hmm. helped a lot of people. No, honey. Milton a was lot great. He was. I had a phenomenal Jeffrey class. Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah, there's a long oh, no, list no. of Doris Milton. Roberts. Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah. Jeffrey, we love Jeffrey. He's yeah. Phenomenal. So out of that, you came to L.A. and then you started. So you didn't go to New York or anything. You came directly here. I never here. did. I, I thought about it, but I knew that um, I love the intimacy of film. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew that LA was where I was going to be. But it was I was always on the track of let me absorb everything I could possibly absorb. So I do and and still believe in always being in a class. So that's where I Good have you. always reached out of like what's all the stuff I could possibly learn. So uh, Beverly Hills Playhouse is where I am now. I've studied at the Imagine Life with Diana Castle. Oh yeah, that's who where is, I am. Oh, she Phenomenal. She's phenomenal. We love Diana. She um, was there last night, late. Uh, Five hour class. Where were you last I, night? <laughs> uh oh, with my uh-oh. new uh-oh. lover, Diana Castle. <laughs> she is. A, she is really. I mean, another. When you said absorb, I'm like, that's a familiar sound. That's a familiar. We're word. getting a, yes. Anyway, she's an acting teacher here in Los Angeles, and she teaches an incredible method, which is this imagination. And as like you, I've studied with a gazillion people, mm-hmm. and that's what you do out here. It's a, other than Ed, who studied with nobody because he's so no, he did. I studied so at the Strasberg Institute. Peggy oh, no Fury. I studied with Stella Adler. How long? How many days? No, I'm kidding. Doesn't I studied matter. for he quite works. a while with he gets to work. He's doing okay. He's fine. That's I right. It worked out fine for I me. Would, Thank you so yes, much. I would accept you see? your career. But I think it's... <laughs> let me get back her. to what you we did, love Christina, this young because lady. <laughs> I think you, as a, as a woman in this business, must take uh, the bull by the horn, so to speak, and write mm-hmm. and produce and direct your own, because they're just... You know, whether you're the most talented person in the world, there's just so many people. As Ed likes to say, there's too many asses and not enough seats. Mm-hmm. There just isn't. And to be to continue to be creative and and be creative and 
your daily life, but you're putting it, you know, you, you found this topic that was powerful and you did a short about it. And didn't you do something? Didn't you also do a, um, uh, a horror movie or something? I did. Did I you did. write it? I didn't. No, I was just, um, you were well, just in it. <laughs> the short I did with Alan Ruck was De- deathly. Um, oh, that's what through, it is. Uh, Mike Williamson, which is a friend of mine, I've worked with a couple times, and they uh, brought me on. But then I met Mickey Keating on that set. Alan played my father, and then Mickey Keating played my brother. But turns out Mickey Keating is a phenomenal director. That's really he does horror, but he does very. Uh, it's a very specific genre kind of horror, mm-hmm. and he did um, a film called Psychopaths that ended up going to Tribeca, and it's kind of that, that right? I was in that. Great, yeah, yeah, and that was so fun. It's Psych- so fun. Yeah, I love horror. I I live it on a daily basis, actually. But um, <laughs> so <laughs> who am I? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's okay. So I want to know: Am I Jason or am I? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about here, Freddie and Nightmare I don't on know, Elm Freddy's Street? Which horror show are you, are you talking depends about? Depends on the day, dear. Okay. It, it's never boring. That is for sure. That's for damn I'm sure. I'm sort of into Get Out right now. That's my. Oh, so good. Yeah, wasn't what that a good? good? Movie. But wasn't talk about good? mission. Talk about yes. a film that yeah, is entertaining, it's about something. but it has a mission. Absolutely. And I think that that's why it, it's resonating. I think people are starved for that. Like, yeah. And you can get people in a room to watch a movie about things that they won't necessarily have a conversation about, which I think is the phenomenal gift of storytelling. Yeah. Yes, Ed wrote a play about um, Cesar Chavez, about the farm workers, and a musical. You would have been great in it. <laughs> do you sing too? I do. Oh my God, what am I going to do? It's <laughs> too talented here. Well, then you have to, you know, maybe when they revive it, <laughs> someone else's time. Anyway, so what is your favorite genre? Do you have one? I see that you went to the Groundlings as well. I did. I've studied a lot of uh, comedy. I mean, there are so many comedy greats that inspired me like I I used to watch my mom was very strict on what we what we were allowed to watch but I Love Lucy was always on the TV and great. so I great physical comedy physical great comedy yeah. but it was also it just appealed to everyone and yeah. so comedy was always something that Mary Tyler Moore was another huge influence yes. and so great shows and for me comedy you can kind of always inject that levity even into drama because it's like comedy is just a release of tension and so we need that levity even when you're you're in a drama piece and so I wanted to have that kind of ingrained in my bones and that's where studying like improv and and going to I went to the Groundlings and Iowa West and UCB and just really wanted to absorb what where that sits in my body how that sits in my storytelling and uh, it's informed me so much even when I approach a drama even when I like read the greats it it Mm -hmm. has it's helped with the way I tell stories you would think it would have for Ed but I don't know what happened (laughs) no I'm picking on you today aren't I you are I know that's I'm just kidding because because I just am jealous because he works as a comedic actor all the time I'm very lucky 50 years this year been working half a century in films and television and stage so I'm I'm one of the very lucky ones you are so amazing yeah but, you know, you also have to, you know, you, he felt inspired to write a play, you know, like you wrote this uh, piece on um, pretext. pretext. So do you, I know that show business is one aspect of your life. It is not your whole life. Mm-hmm. So you're into other, what is your altruistic endeavors? What, how do you give back to the world? I always feel like I could give back more. It's so funny. I used to subscribe to that feeling when I was younger of I'm too small. I'm too small to really 
do anything to make a difference. And then I started to study mythology and read Joseph Campbell and absorb like Carl Jung. And then I came across a, a Swahili proverb. It's so simple, but it's like if you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping in a closed room with a mosquito. Uh, I don't quite it, get it, but okay. Let me think about that. Okay. Think of a closed room with a mosquito. What would that be like for you, honey? Not fun. Happen? I don't think it would be. Fun. No, it'd be terrible. But the idea of it'd like, be dead. That mosquito would be dead. But well, it's, so oh, it's so tiny. Oh, it's so tiny. It's so tiny. Look how it's oh. affecting you. You're a big creature, and you're in a small room with a little mosquito. Okay, break it down. Break it down. I can handle yeah. it. Okay. All right. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, but it resonated Was with me in a way of like, it doesn't matter how small it will these changes will reverberate. It's also like the way that I look at the, um, I used to look at the environment that way and uh, be like, well, it doesn't matter. Like I'll let the bigger people take care of it. But then I started again to, Joseph Campbell was a huge part of that is like, it is me. The environment is me. It is part of what I am. It is part of my storytelling. It is part Mm -hmm. of what I've been connected to before I was even on this planet. I know that sounds kind of crazy, no, but it, it is. it sounds wonderful. I'm so interconnected with it. Mm-hmm. It's the same, that's the same way I look at story. And, and when I kind of attach to that mission more, that's where it's like I have to hold this torch and, and shine the light, not in a condescending way, not in a like, okay, I need to teach people as an artist, but how can I be an example mm-hmm. even in the small ways that I can right now? Well, that's so much more impactful than trying to teach someone. No one likes to be Nobody taught. responds they, to that. Unless they're asking for it. But being an example, walking mm-hmm. the talk, that's the, the origins of this sitting at this dining room table here in my house with these mics in front of us was what can I do one that's still in somewhat in the same in show business sort of <laughs> that I, I'm not too far afield and that has an impact maybe on the few people that listen maybe mm-hmm. not you know mm-hmm. I build it they'll come that's the idea yeah so that is yes I, I think that's great that's a you you summed it up beautifully but that notion that is completely an error, in my opinion, that people have, that everybody is told, you're too small, you're not going to change things, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. You know, tell that to Cesar Chavez, who right. you mentioned earlier, or Nelson Mandela, or, you know, uh, Mother Teresa, or all these people, Mahatma Gandhi, that have made incredible changes. And they told it to us in L.A. There's a ragtag bunch of people that wanted cleaner air in L.A. in 1970. They said, you're not going to do it. There's no way. Smog is part of progress. It's part of mm-hmm. a big city like L.A. You're not going to be able to, this isn't going to work. You want right. to put devices on cars? Are you crazy? Change power plants? You're out of your mind. And all that stuff that we did, nobody went broke doing it. And most importantly, with four times the cars, millions more people, there's a fraction of the smog right now. We did that as individuals, mm-hmm. one person at a time. We all did that. Mm-hmm. And that's a miracle. No, it absolutely is. I know you love people and helping people with your wonderful projects you're writing and what have you uh, mm-hmm. and many other endeavors. What about animals? You, you're an animal lover too, aren't mm-hmm. you? I mean, I grew up, uh, we grew up with so many animals. We still have like, uh, we still have a horse. She is only, well, I'm not going to give my age away. She's <laughs> a very old horse that we saw back in Tennessee. We grew up with horses and I had, I had hamsters and I had dogs and I was always bringing home birds that I would try and keep alive. And I've just always had this cry for animals because I feel like they are, they are pure innocence. And especially with domestic animals where 
you know, I think a lot of people wonder why, why do you give so much time to, um, to dogs? And, but, it, but you look at like the history of why dogs are domesticated and humans did that. Right. We are the ones that went back and selectively bred them to yeah, be domesticated. There's evolution right there. Yeah, that's evolution. Mm-hmm. We, they no longer are able to maintain it. They can't go out in the wild. Now a domestic dog can't just go out and live in the woods. It doesn't, we have bred that out of them. And so it's our responsibility to then take care of them, to give them safe space and to see, um, any abuse or any sort of neglect uh, that it just is breaks me in a visceral place. So, um, the reach for animals and, um, especially when it comes to like my own pets, I was very strong about, I don't, you know, I don't judge, but I'm just very much like there are so many pets that need homes. Please adopt. Don't mm-hmm. buy. Yeah, well, there's so many wonderful of, it's shelters it's a, and adoption. A dilemma agencies. because I understand wanting to maintain breeds. I, mm-hmm. I get it. But also, there are so many dogs, and they're already been bred. You know, why, you know, go to a, a, a breeder to get a purebred, which is usually a sicker dog because they've been inbred so much mm-hmm. that they are not. Uh, the mutts are always uh, usually stronger, more. Yeah, you know, live they a live longer. longer. Yeah. yeah. We've gotten all our dogs yeah. and cats from shelters for years. Yeah, mm-hmm. they need that space, and I understand there are people that want to maintain the breed and and yeah. maybe hold space for them, and that's something that I don't ever want to judge. But just as far as what I want to do in my outreach of, um, you know, the incredible things that like mm-hmm. the Humane Society do, and now that California is trying to go to all no kill shelters, which yes. I think is awesome, phenomenal, yeah. Isn't that yeah. great, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just kind of where I stand. It's our responsibility to to open a space for them and take care of them. And um, yeah. Now I see also that you you work with Jimmy Kimmel Live. So how did what? <laughs> oh, that's a fun story. Uh, it's so funny. I was on a. I'm going to try and make a long story short. I was on a plane. Take all the time you need. Okay. Yeah. Thank, you. We Thank have, you. We don't have a life. I was um, on a plane flying out with my um, girlfriend Erica. We were going to South by Southwest in Austin. Why? And my friend Meredith had, she was doing a series that was opening there. It was showing the oh, first time okay. there. So we were going out to support her. And we were on the plane and there were these really nice guys sitting next to us. And we ended up kind of chatting and uh, they were like, we work for a show. And we're like, okay. Sure you do. (laughs) Um, That's what everybody says. We're all from L.A. Um, And then it turned out it was uh, Eric Immerman and Cousin Sal, who are, you know, cousin. uh, That's the cousin of Jimmy Kimmel and one of the head writers. And we just ended up chatting him up and exchanging information. And then we ended up, they called us and we worked on Kimmel in Austin a couple times, a couple days. And then I just always stayed in touch with them. Um, They're all amazing guys, Mm -hmm. like just really kind super fun loving working on set with them was just like okay this is family um and then I've stayed in touch with them through the years and then they called me up about um Cousin Sal Sure Thing which is a like football review show that I've been working on now that's so fun because I just go in and I do it with a, a girlfriend um Lindsay who's amazing and yeah, I've just worked with them ever since. Ever, t- ever since they need like people for like a little bit or something, well, I'll go in and work really... with them. Oh, great! <laughs> My our friend Joe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Gary Greenberg is the head writer for Kimmel, and that is actually how we got this house because I I was at Gary's house down the street and he had bought that, and he said, "Oh, the other house that I didn't buy because I knew they saw four hundred houses." 
was this one and I went down the street and I saw this property and I fell in love with it and that's mm-hmm. the house that we now live in this you know lead certified house that took five years to build but nonetheless but yeah so Gary our my friend is so but my head tells me well yeah you're young and you can be on that show but I should really make a statement to Gary and say you know I think you, you should you really need some old women on this show yeah as a statement yeah and that, and that I'm the old. one for you right I support you, okay, honey. Okay, good. All right. I'm, you heard it here first. I'll make that stand with okay, you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> do you still dance? I do, recreationally. There's a, an amazing place called the Edge Performing Arts Center that opens, ju- they just have like open dance classes. That's on classes. the other side of the hill, right? Yeah, it's a, it's like on coal. And when I say the other side of the hill, where are you in America? I, the other side of the hill, I'm in the valley <laughs> and there's like West Hollywood. It's an, There's a mountain in between when I say that. It's like I'm just you talking. You hate to venture to the other side of that hill, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's too much. You, it's, not it's like down going the over streets. the Pyrenees. For you. It's like crossing the Alps, like Hannibal. Well, I would be using, you know, uh, gasoline. Yes, there you go. And there, I'm, I'm yeah. happy to stay on this side of the hill myself. I know. No. Believe me. It's a yeah. good side of the hill. No, it's, it's a good, good side. I'm not over Easy the hill. Easy living here in the valley. I'm not over uh-huh. the hill. Stop, you take that back. But that's, you know, I think it's the best exercise. And to be able to exercise and also be expressive, it's fabulous. Now, do you also, what is your diet like? I mean, you're so... She's so pretty. Oh, thanks. Too bad you, you guys, guys can't make me see feel her. so good about myself. <laughs> um, my diet is uh, that's been another thing I've I've danced with with the last couple of years. I mean, I am Southern, so there is that I sort know. of influence. That's that's so Southern. Hard. But the thing is, I grew up, you know, we grew up kind of in the middle of nowhere, and we always like had a respect for meat. Kind of, we got we used to. Uh, my mother would buy a quarter of a cow once a year, and I had a family of six with not a lot of money, but she would buy a quarter of a cow, and it was from someone's backyard and it came wrapped in this paper it came wrapped in white paper and that was the kind of meat that we ate growing up and then that uh, sounds good I mean that sounds like and I got older and I saw like the kind of waste and so for a while I went completely vegan I just cut it all out I was like I can't deal with this this waste and and obviously what it's doing to the environment so I've kind of come back to a middle ground of still respecting my roots and coming from this but I don't eat any dairy. That's definitely something I just never went back to. I just don't agree with where we are with dairy and dairy farms and, and what it's doing to the environment, mm-hmm. what it does to our body, that I don't even feel like it's the dairy that our ancestors you know, ate. Right. Um, so that's something that I've just never got back on board with. And then the meat, I try to just be very, very responsible with meat. And make sure it's organic and from and a, you a probably local don't farm. eat a lot of it. It's I not don't like, because I don't cook meat at home. It's, yeah, I just don't. I, I don't have any need to have meat in my home. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to prepare it mostly because I live alone, and I'm just like that's just not going to happen. So I eat vegan in my home, and then it, if it's meat, I try to stick with a very very good product that I feel like I can believe in it's sort of like that was another thing Joseph Campbell taught me about because he studied so much like Native American culture and uh, he would talk about just like if you're going to consume it honoring that animal and making sure it you know you respect it and don't waste that's a good way of putting it that's the way the Native Americans did it they would pray for the cow or the uh, deer or whatever it was that they would the web of life as you like to say exactly they would just honor it for respect. keeping them alive so they can make it through the winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can have meat if I just take that moment to revere it and thank it. I don't eat, I'm, I'm very much like you now. I don't eat a lot of meat. I will eat meat out. Um, I am Southern. That does come 
sort of with our territory. I don't know too many Southern vegans. I'm sure they exist, but I do eat very little. I don't cook it. It is vegan, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so there is there is that. I know it's not the best for us, so mm-hmm. I try not to eat it. Yeah, just yeah. Treat, it like a, treat it like a treat that, you know, that's why I don't feel the need to have it in my home. It's not right. something that I have never really subscribed to the thing of you need meat three times a day that just yeah, it's crazy. freaks me out well, that's um, just wrong it's, it's just, just not true so wrong yeah also i i think the more you become in tune with your body and put these good things in your body your body just won't accept that your body's like nope that does not and these crazy paleo and atkins diets these people die. that think I they're die. gonna <laughs> I, I don't know some people sustain themselves that way i guess i that no. wouldn't, uh, I like the vegan diet. It suits me. It it, it works with my metabolism. So mm-hmm. I like eating low. Well, in the you do, food. and I've never heard you go complain about it. So no. that's you it, know, it's working for me. Yeah. So good for you. You know. But I do realize because we've had several people here that are vegan, and you know, it, they do make a very good argument for you know factory farming is the number one contributor to, to co2 because it's methane yeah. it's not co2 methane coming out oh, methane, of the front right, and, right, and the right, back right. of the cow yeah. it is a more potent greenhouse gas than co2 even so mm-hmm. that's yeah. why i mean that's you're encouraging less meat which is a, a good idea if you want to be a vegan that's great if you want to be a vegetarian that's great if you want to eat less meat that's great all are welcome in my opinion mm-hmm. right but what but what i'm struck with with youth christina is just the the curiosity and the you're curious and you want to know and you want to learn and you that's beautiful you know i mean i'll speak for myself i get a little uh, overwhelmed there's a lot to do mm-hmm. here you know you have eventually you'll have a family i assume and you or if that's what in your if you want mm-hmm. and you know and then you you have a job and or other interests i don't know how many other interests you have other than acting but i'm sure you do it's easy to sort of get in a sort of a rut. I'm in a, I'm trying to say I'm in a rut net. No, I'm you're not. not in a rut. Think you're in a thriving. What no. are you talking about? You're <laughs> flourishing. Of, what the beauty of something like what we're doing here is that I get to hear, I get to experience other people in their lives. And that is inspirational. It gives me the courage to go and make, to do the changes and mm-hmm. to, you know, I get to hear about Joseph Campbell again. I'm going to look into Joseph Campbell, you know, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And also, you know, we never stop. It is, I don't know if you um, know Eleanor Coppola. Do you know of Eleanor Coppola? No. She's Francis Ford Coppola's wife. wife. Mm-hmm. And recently I heard her on NPR and we know her a little bit. We've met her a few times and Ed's friends with Francis and I'm friends with Sophia. And um, Eleanor just wrote and directed a few years ago. It just came out with Diane Lane, her first feature. Oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. And she's 81. Oh, that's so amazing. So those her. kind Isn't of that stories. Amazing? I love it. I, I love it. I love I mean, it. It's never it's not too late for you, honey. <laughs> It's never too late for it. It's never too late. You got 10, 12 years till you're that age, so that's fine. That's just, you're right on schedule as well. Hey, I'll take it. Let me tell you, if I can can do what she, you know, she started uh, just hanging out on the set with her husband because Mm -hmm. she was married, you know, and that's what they did in her day and, you know, had those kids and uh, she just picked up that camera they... you've been hanging out on the set with me for years <laughs> i call security and try to get you removed and somehow when you show somehow the id they go keep... no i can't legally remove her she technically yeah. is your spouse yeah technically technically still, yeah. we're still technically married aren't we are we? still technically i think we are married yeah you know but that doesn't it's a formality mean it, it just doesn't yeah it's la so it, you know how much that how much water that holds but um wait a minute wait yeah. a minute she grabbed that one pretty yeah. quick and ran with it are you dating you trying to tell no, me something no i'm not dating uh-oh they do Tinder here we go you heard it first on Begley it's not every now and then 
No, but but I, but I'm getting back to Eleanor just because she she was an inspiration recently and very very inspiring. But she just by accident, you know, they didn't have a crew for the documentary. They wanted to do a documentary about Apocalypse Now, and they didn't want mm. to send a crew because they didn't want that expense. And so they gave Eleanor. She was, I'll do it. She was there, and she had a camera, and it's they called gave Heart her. of Darkness. Was mm-hmm. that it? In 1990, they released that. Yeah, Heart of Darkness. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think it won a couple of, a lot of awards. I think it did. Yeah. You know, but the point is, is that um, it's up to us mm-hmm. as females to not complain, which I'm very good at, uh, complaining about this male dominant, um, you Ooh. know, yeah. It yeah. is still very hard, it, um, yeah. you know, how uh, Hollywood is reflective of our culture and we still have to fight to get to be represented you know, um, like Gina Davis, who you worked with, she has that. She does so many amazing things for women. Amazing. Yeah. She is C. Jane so is a great organization. Yeah. So, important. so strong. She's yeah. such a pillar. And then you look at someone like that and you're like, okay, that is, that's my ideal. That's what I reach for. And, yeah. and opening space for women, opening space and starting that, that journey. Well, it came out of necessity. She had a daughter and she realized there were no uh, female characters from the age of zero to, I think, 10 or 12. Represented in cartoons and in uh, children's programming, uh, so she did this organization called See Jane, and uh, you know she had a daughter. She wanted her daughter to experience something different than she is to see the possibilities. You yeah. Know? So that's that's the beauty of what you've done, and I'm going well, to pull back to you, that's Christina. That's a huge, <laughs> huge compliment. Thank you yeah, so much. No, thank for you. sure. But uh, you know we have to, as Ed likes to say. Don't curse the darkness, but light a candle. Yeah, oh, I love it. That's I right. Love it. Who said that first? I don't know. Certainly not he me. Did. No, we'll I just know. give no, you no. Yeah. credit. Someone said it first. <laughs> Somebody yeah, smart said it first. It has we should to be know reminded that about that and what we can do, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, finding a good story to tell and something that touches your heart, which is really, really important. Mm-hmm. So. And pretext is a great story. I'm so glad that you made that film. Thank you. That Thank sounds, you so uh, much like a wonderful thing we have to see that let's yeah. make it a point yeah well it's probably going to be at a some, be at some film festival yeah soon. how do people get in touch with you where are you are you do you have a facebook do you have a website um, what do you do does yes. she have a facebook i mean everyone has a Facebook. everyone does you, have except a facebook. you that's you oh, don't have true. a facebook well, isn't it called? Do you have a Facebook page? Well, that... I mean, you, yeah, but I think people. Okay, knew what I'm I was learning. I don't. About. I don't do Facebook, so what do I know? <laughs> I know. Do you have a I Facebook get profile? Do I, I mean, maybe go. I should have. I was doing the slang on it. I guess maybe there isn't a slang on it. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back to that. Do you? How do people get in touch with you? Um, I'm pretty active on social media. I'm not always the greatest at checking it, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty active on it. Um, I think Instagram and Twitter are where I'm the most active because I find that you can you can interact with a lot more people that way. Yeah, um, I do Twitter. Twitter's yeah. pretty easy. P- Twitter's easy. pretty great because yeah. you can interact with, with everyone. It's safe. There's a lot of really good organizations yes. and things you can retweet and stand up for and share. So I'm definitely on Twitter. What's um, your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at I am C underscore E underscore S. So I am CES. CES, great. Mm-hmm. And then Instagram is just at Christina Elizabeth Smith. That's an easy one. Oh, good. And you mm-hmm. also worked with my friend Kathleen Wilhoit. Yes, Al. she was in that short with Alan Ruck. Right. She played Alan Ruck's wife. Have you ever heard her sing? No. Amazing. What a voice. You're in for a treat. Amazing singer. Oh, I have oh, to, boy, fa- I have to find that. Singer. Yeah. 
I have to find So that. do you sing in town? I mean, would, do you go out? I and don't sing in town. I mean, I really want to, because uh, I still try and uh, do a lot of stage. Mm-hmm. I really want to do a musical because mm. I grew up on musicals. So uh, my mother has a phenomenal voice. Wow. So I think she just, I heard, grew up hearing her sing, and that's kind of what taught me Do you me think that she wanted to go into show business? Yes. Yeah. secretly I'm like sorry mom but I know you did she did no she could have been a phenomenal I think she could have been an opera singer I mean her voice wow. and she was a phenomenal piano player I used to just listen to her secretly playing piano we had our piano in the basement and she'd be playing piano and singing like the Gloria and I would just cry I just would be tiny and listen to her and cry because mm. she was she was one of those people that's just a channel my daughter would cry too when I'd sing for different yeah, reasons. Very different reasons. <laughs> uh, that was an, a joke at my expense. How unusual, Ed. Yeah, no, but that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my our daughter, Ed has her too, actually more than me, but um, I'm hoping that she's going to write a role for me, so that's why I'm encouraging to go, her to go into show business. She's, she's definitely, she's very talented. Does she write? Is that yes, her? she oh, writes, yeah, we she need sings, them. she acts. Female writers, She yes. does not dance. I wanted her to do that, but... If it's not her thing, it's not her thing. You've got to follow your bliss. Yeah, and she's following it in many other yeah. ways. Maybe one day she'll take up dancing in a big way. She can dance, but she, not yeah, something not, she excels yeah. at. No, it's but not she's her a great thing. singer, great songwriter. Yeah. I think she's doing okay. Yeah, yes, no, she's, she's doing, doing okay. Good. I agree. <laughs> but it's, Very proud of her. Is your mom still with us? She's still yes, around? Yes. So she could still act. She still could sing. She can still I do know, it. Life's not easy. Listen, things. you know, Eleanor um, uh, Coppola, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you never know. That's what I'm counting on. <laughs> Look at me. I just got another series and I'm 67. Did you wow. have to tell that age? He did. Congrats. Yeah. Does, does it make you seem older, honey? <laughs> no, say, I'm not even near his Nowhere age. near that nowhere. age. That's correct. <laughs> nowhere near it. Yeah. The child bride here. Oh, yeah. What do you mean? Oh yeah. Uh, let the record show that the defendant was silent at this point in the testimony. <laughs> Whatever. But anyway, okay. So we shouldn't. You should have to be our mediator soon. So we better. Uh, do you have any upcoming projects that you want to? I do. I have a few. I have a play that I'm doing. Where's that? that? I'm very excited. That's through the Beverly Hills Playhouse. Oh great, great. Yes. Are they still? Pr- they're producing. plays. They're still there. doing plays. Sure. Yeah. It's a beautiful space. So I'm it is. So excited about that. That's on Robertson in Los Angeles for people who might want to come see yes. it. Yes. Is it an original? Be mid- Wendy, what do you is- know that, that we're doing a, a Teresa Rebeck play? Mm. So that's going to be very very fun. We're in rehearsals for that now. So that will be like mid June. I think we're planning on opening. Just depends on how everything kind of comes together but mid-June right now and then I'm kind of on hold for a movie beginning of September but we'll see what happens with that and then it's working on um kind of developing some other writing projects that I'm working on which I'm excited about it's always still like trusting that part of me that wants to I'm still like oh I'm a writer I'm a writer now this is a thing I'm doing written things you're a writer yeah Yeah. (laughs) I'm a writer now um but yes constantly exploring the kind of stories I want to put out there and staying active with that so great yeah it's fun congratulations thank you so much let us very, know very about fun. the play. We'll come see you. Yay! I will definitely do that. Okay. I'll definitely you. do that. We really appreciate you coming and uh, telling us about yourself because it's lovely to hear about, uh, you know, what people are doing out there and making change and young, you know, talented people. Yeah, charting their own course. And I'm not doing even jealous. I, this is shocking. Okay, this is. <laughs> 
I'm really growing up, I guess. You I'm, are, I'm honey. Ex- I'm very proud I'm of you. I'm inspired and I'm happy, and I hope that the next thing you do, you write me something. I will. 100%. So there you are. No pressure. 100%. No pressure. Bless you, okay. Christina. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Such a so gift. Thank, thank you so much for having me. Christina, thank you so much for sitting down with us. We wanted to highlight some of the great things that came out of this conversation. Like what? Like take charge of your own destiny. She wrote this That's project cool. pretext. She did it. She produced it. I she agree. wrote it. She did a lot. And look how, how far she's come. She's an amazing young lady. Yeah. I mean, we always sort of, you know, sit around and wait for the phone to ring. I mean, that old adage of, you know, you can't do that. But, you know, in, in Hollywood, we're waiting on our agents to get us work and you know, bitching about why they don't. And you just, that, that, that ship has sailed. I mean, there are very, very few I don't know where that ship of sail came in. Yeah, but none, that was uh, the ship hadn't at all <laughs> sailed for her, honey. It's getting a fresh coat of paint, and it's about to go cross country. Okay, it's just I always comes back in to me, America's doesn't cup. it? And you're up, you know, know on blocks somewhere. Really stupid. You know, anyway, the down place my, in Marina Del Rey. What I was trying to say is that it's so rare. The rare artist, I'm going to say, one percent of the people in Hollywood and in New York have an agent or have representation that get them work. You have an agent, honey. And you have a travel agent. That's an agent right there. An asshole. Did I say that to you today? If I didn't, I meant to. So anyway, taking the initiative and, you know, I am inspired and they're not going to give it to us. We have to take it. (laughs) I think that's the point of what I'm trying to make. We must claim it. If we're an artist, we must claim it. It's an uphill battle. It, it is quite hard because, you know, our, our culture and Hollywood is very male dominated. And why are they going to give up power? They're not. Well, we can't even get a female president, for God's sakes. Well, take charge of your own destiny and write yeah. something yourself. Then you have control. I don't want to write. I hate writing. Too much work, huh? I know, too much work. And another great takeaway from Christina. Don't ever think you're too small. If you think you're too small, consider a mosquito in a closed room alone with a person. That's weird. That's just weird. What's what don't you get about a small creature having a huge impact on a I big... get it. I get it. I guess you're right. Okay, so are we the are we the mosquito in this scenario? The person who wants to affect change is a mosquito. Oh, that's right. Got it. Ah, wow. I just just landed. Okay. Well, that's like why mosquito. I have my own show Here, so let I me can swat learn. it now that it just landed that idea of yours. <laughs> there we go. Hey, you know this is my, uh, the education of Rochelle. Let's just put it that way. And I think another great takeaway that Christina had was our responsibility to animals. You know, we bred dogs to be this kind of a creature. They couldn't really survive. Most dogs couldn't survive long at all in the wild. Uh, and so we have a responsibility. We domesticated these, them. We domesticated yeah. dogs. It's evolution right there in front of us in progress mm-hmm. over the thousands of years of dogs being part of a campfire and in a, a setting that involved humans. They've changed, and we've been part of that evolution of dogs, picking certain dogs that did certain things and, and uh, giving them a share of our food around the campfire. We have a responsibility to those. Ho- they're a part of our They're in family. our homes, and they're part of our families, and we have a responsibility to care for them because we've really altered the way that they behave. And we must adopt, please. If you can, I understand you know, wanting that purebred, but you can also go to purebred adoptions. They exist. You can find those purebreds out there, you know, and they may even be... <laughs> Rochelle wanted, to, wanted a purebred, but she found a mutt I named sure Ed, did. and she adopted. And look how well that turned yeah, out for you, right, honey? Yeah, look how well that turned out. Yep, indeed. 
So guys, that does it for this episode. Thank you very much for joining us. We've got more great guests coming up, so make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and a review. It really helps us make this show better. Do a little, do a lot. Just do something today and tell us what you did. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. This podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info and advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.